0: Good morning, Redeemer Church. Uh, this, I, I confess,
1: is strange. Um, I was just telling Brad how how different this feels, but this is where the Lord has us, and in His good providence, this is the way we're going to receive His Word, and so I'm hopeful that He's going to use it. You will turn with me to John chapter 11. John chapter 11, and we'll be in verses
0: 1 through 27, but I'm going to pray and ask the Lord to help. Oh God, we thank you that you use strange and, and
1: unwanted circumstances to do good. And we pray that you would use this moment in our lives, which, is, which feels so different, that you would set us free from self and from pride. and and that you would use this to break our fair designs and our earthly schemes for joy, that we might realize in ways that perhaps comfort and ease and predictability have hidden from us that you are our all in all. And we pray that you would use this truth from John 11 to teach us this, would you do this, we pray, for the glory of Christ and for the good of your people? We need to hear from you, so would you speak? We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. John 11, verse 1, now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with anointment with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died, and for your sake I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. So Thomas, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Beloved, this is the word of the Lord for us in this moment. And I wonder in this moment if you've gotten to the point where you can thank God for coronavirus. This passage helps us, I think, to do just that. Our passage is about the passing of time. It's about the passing of time when time is the one thing that Jesus' friend does not have. Lazarus is deathly ill, and so Jesus teaches. He takes time to teach in that moment, and then... Verse 6, he waits two more days, and Jesus teaches again. And then, verse 17, we have another reference to the passing of time. Lazarus is four days dead, and Jesus teaches. What I want you to see is the shape of this powerful story. The shape itself is part of the power Delays from Jesus lead to the death of Lazarus. but these delays are all these opportunities for him to teach. So these delays that lead to death also lead to so that's" that are repeated in this passage. In other words, lessons that are learned because there are delays. In other words, death is a teacher God. Let's us experience danger because there are some truths that are only learned when we are vulnerable. Danger is a tool, death is. Dangerous, and yet it is also a tool to make us feel something so that God can teach us something. There are lessons about life that you will never learn, and I will never learn if we do not deal with the certainty of death. And so here comes COVID 19, and here come
0: tornadoes. Are you listening to the lessons? Here's the
1: sermon in a sentence. Facing death is the only way to get the life only Jesus can give. Facing death is the only way to get the life only Jesus can give. Three lessons about life. That's what I want to see from this full and rich passage. Three lessons. Lessons about life that we only learn by facing death. The first lesson comes in verses 1-4. through four. An illness that leads to glory. One thing I've been reminded of this week, and that we find to be true in this passage, is that physical health can be a spiritual pathogen. Pathogen is not a word I would normally use in a sermon, uh, but I hope you understand what it means today. These things that are deadly, these microbes that are deadly to us physically, we can say that physical health is actually a spiritual pathogen, according to the Lord, because not not that health is not a blessing. Health is a blessing, and yet. Blessings that fall on a sinful heart in a fallen world don't bless us in all the ways that they should. Health ends up deceiving us into living like we're never going to die. Health can deceive us into living like this life is all that there is. And so a
0: strong immune system can actually weaken your soul. Awesome
1: storm shelters can, can also weaken your soul. I wish I had a stronger storm shelter. If you saw the picture of my family of seven huddled up, burning up, In that tiny little closet, we were not very comfortable. We were not very secure. We had a mattress behind us with an open door right behind us. It was the safest place we could go. I would like a little more safety and comfort when the storm comes, and yet that may not
0: be good for my soul. But here's another truth.
1: If a strong immune system can weaken your soul, a compromised immune system actually has a way of opening our ears. And so, when Lazarus is ill, Jesus teaches the people who are vulnerable. And notice what truth the illness of Lazarus just brings out of Jesus. Back in verse 3, the sisters of Lazarus send to Jesus and say, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, the illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through the illness. Now, as a pastor... Thinking of seminary, thinking of all the best practices I've heard from faithful pastors, I recognize that at this point Jesus would fail pastoral ministry class in seminary. As pastors, we are taught that when people are suffering, you don't change that subject too quickly away from them and start talking about how their suffering is going to be really good for God. But this is exactly what Jesus does. He says, don't worry about this sickness for Lazarus. It's actually going to glorify God. And He means to comfort disciples, even the ones who are afraid of Lazarus dying. And it's not the first time that Jesus has said this sort of thing. Back in chapter 9, He said that the man who was born blind was not born blind because of sin. He was born blind and had suffered all of his life with blindness so that God might be glorified. And so life lesson number one, these verses teach us God uses the worst in your life to bring glory to
0: Himself. Another way to put it is that your life, all of it,
1: is for the glory of God. Panic is revealing that we've forgotten something. The panic right now is revealing that we need to remember something. And that is that there is something more important than me living longer. There is something more important than our friends and our family living longer. It's at the end of verse 4. Through Lazarus's illness, that does actually lead to physical death, It is the Son of God who is going to be seen through that illness for who He really is. He uses, He needs this illness that that actually will kill Lazarus to be seen for how glorious, how beautiful, how powerful, how matchless Jesus is. That illness is for that. It is an opportunity for Jesus to do what no one else in the world can do. Let's just think about How sickness, or even now the threat of sickness, naturally, naturally makes us focus on ourselves. And Jesus speaks to us and tells us that, no, the deathbed is actually not the one place in your life where you can focus on yourself. Okay. I, I can, I can at least focus on myself. I'm dying here. He says, no, that is not the one place you focus on yourself. He says the deathbed is, the deathbed is still the place that he is going to make people focus on him. Friends, I want us to remember, I'm reminded of what I need to be reminded of is that our illnesses, our food shortage, our vulnerability to storms are designed for the same purpose. Whether Jesus is going to glorify himself through healing us or protecting us or He's going to glorify himself by giving us a comfort and a peace that our circumstances cannot explain. Or if it's like for Lazarus, that Jesus will glorify himself through what others learn about Jesus from our suffering and death. The first lesson is there is illness that leads to Glory the second one comes in verses 5 through 16 where we see an awakening that leads
0: to belief The Beatles said it well all you need is love And the next line is everybody and everybody did sing that. They
1: love this song, All You Need Is Love. The world will not argue with this idea, All You Need Is Love. It doesn't matter what kind of religion they come from. They, they can all agree and make this the number one hit, All You Need Is Love. But friends, let's, rem- let's remember, it's one thing to know that you need love to live. It is one thing to know that your life will not matter if you don't love. That is not the same thing as actually knowing what love is. We can know love is important without fully appreciating what love is. And the Beatles broke up, so they can't sing it. But we have a Bible. And the Bible tells us that God is love. So, remember, you will not understand your life, know this, You will not understand your life if you don't understand God's love. You will waste your life if you don't understand God's love. It is John who tells us the most. You could say he wrote the the article in the Encyclopedia of Love. Some of the most famous words we've heard about love. Come from John, God is love, or God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, or a less familiar but really important verse in chapter 13 and 34 and 35, where he says, uh, you will love, you should love one another the way that I've loved you. This is how the world is going to know that God is sent a Savior, is if you love one another. John has written really important verses on love Chapter 11, verse 6 is one of them. It is the first time in the book of John that it refers to Jesus having love for a particular person. And yet it is not as famous as these other verses. It is one of the strangest sentences in the Bible. Verse 5, Jesus loved Martha, loved Mary, loved Lazarus. Verse 6, so because he loved them, when he heard that Lazarus was ill with the coronavirus, he ran to where he was to heal him. That is what we expect to read, and it is not what we read. I would submit to you that verse 6 should be one of your favorite verses on love in the Bible. It is how God loves. When Jesus heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was,
0: which resulted in Lazarus dying. Jesus could have immediately left. Lazarus would have lived. Don't forget who we're talking about
1: here. Jesus didn't have to go anywhere. He did not have to lift a finger. He did not have to move a muscle. He didn't back in chapter 4 when he healed a boy who was in a completely different city just by speaking healing. He doesn't do that here. And we know why. Jesus delays when Lazarus is dying because he loves Lazarus.
0: How does God love? It is not by keeping us from suffering. Who
1: does God love more than His Son? And who suffered more than His Son? Don't just cherry-pick some verses in the Bible about God's love and insert into it what, it, what you think it means include chapter 11, verses five and six. Love, let Lazarus die. Jesus starts to explain this in verse 11. After saying these things, he said to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. And of course, heavenly words confuse earthly ears. And so in the next couple verses, uh, the, the disciples are trying to figure out, well, if he's just taking a nap, why are we so concerned about this? But really, he he then explains plainly, it says in verse 14, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there. I'm glad that he's died. So that you may believe. The question is, what is he, what is the death of Lazarus? make us believe about God's love and about
0: Jesus. Let Lazarus die for his own for Jesus' own glory, because of
1: Jesus' love, so that his disciples would believe. We've covered one of the things life lesson number 1 is that Jesus' glory is better than our life. But here we get a second life lesson And this is so important. This is why chapter 11 is so powerful. Why I'm so grateful that this happened. Why you can be glad like Jesus is glad that Lazarus died. Life lesson number two is not knowing what Jesus can do with death is worse than death. What is worse than death? That is a there is not much that is worse than death. It is presented to us in the Bible as the great and final enemy of death. But we learn here that there is something that is worse than death, and that is not knowing what Jesus can do with death. The scariest thing about the pandemic we're going through right now is that our panic is revealing that our longings are too little. The world's panic right now is revealing the unbelief of the world. It is as if this world, if if they imagined that there was a God, what would they want from God? The panic is revealing they would want a God who is not actually as loving as he actually is, as if the the best and most loving thing that God could do is to keep us safe from the pandemic. Isn't this what all the unbelievers are always saying in times like this? God must not be exist He must not exist, He must not be powerful, or He would He would have stopped this. He He must not be loving to let things like this happen, to face the fear and agony of death. That's what all the rebels say. And beloved, if we didn't have John 11, we might be just as clueless as the world about God's love. If Jesus had stopped Lazarus from dying. It is more loving for Jesus to reveal Himself. For us to know that He has the power over death. That is more loving than for us just to believe that He can help us in this life only, which is what was being requested of Jesus, that He would extend this life as if He's only useful in this life only. What we need to believe about Jesus is that He's not just useful in this life only, but that Jesus is more powerful than our most fearsome enemies. And that cannot be proven if... He doesn't let us die. That, if we don't have to actually experience the worst of our most fearsome enemies, if our fears do not come true, we will not know that Jesus is more powerful than the worst that our most fearsome enemies can do so he proves this he wants us to believe something after death does its worst god wants us to know how much he loves us and so he wants us to learn he wants his he wants his sisters who he loves to face and feel the agony of death, to hope for healing, to ask the right person to do the healing. He wants Lazarus to actually experience the crisis of faith. I know he can heal me, but he's not coming. What is going on? Who is this one I'm believing in? And does he really love me? God wants us to experience that so that we would learn. God says, my son's usefulness does not expire when you do. He wants us to experience just how useful Jesus really is. And to experience that, you have to wait until the world does its very worst. But here it
0: is. This awakening. Lazarus falling asleep is
1: what was needed in order for us to believe something. We would not believe it without the awakening. We need him to fall asleep and actually physically die. That's why all the delays happen. He delays two days for him to die, and then to make sure that he's really, really dead. He's in the tomb for four days before Jesus actually shows up. He does all of this. He does the delaying to teach us something so that we would believe something that we could not believe apart from this.
0: And it has everything to do with how much God loves us. Here it is. Waking the dead is better than healing the sick. How much does God love His people? Enough not to heal them of everything in this life
1: because healing of everything in this life would guard us from experiencing His deep love. We have to experience the worst of life, which is death. To know the fullness of His love, waking the dead is better than healing the sick. So facing death is the only way to get the only life that Jesus can give. Get means understand and appreciate. We will not appreciate the life that Jesus can offer to us unless we experience
0: all the agonies. Death. The third lesson comes in verses 17 through 27.
1: Illness leads to glory. Awakening leads to belief. Death leads to life. That's point number three. But right before our verses, disciples seem to have these mixed feelings about Jesus going to Judea because that, they, they said in, in, in earlier, I think it's in verse 9, verse 8, they, 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 they are recognizing that if Jesus goes to Judea, that's where the Jews are who want to kill Him. And so they, they have mixed feelings. They don't want Lazarus to die, but they also want, don't want Jesus to die. And then right before these verses, in verse 16, We get Thomas, who is called the twin. We could call him the downer. We could call him Eeyore. Look at verse 16. What Thomas thinks it means that in light of all that Jesus is saying, when he he and they are going to go get close to these Jews who are murderous in order to heal or raise from the dead, wake Lazarus. Thomas says, well, let's, let's follow Jesus. Following Him means we're all going to die. Life lesson number three. This is amazing. Jesus says, that's not what following me, following me means. He says in verses 25
0: and 26, everyone who follows me is going to live. Jesus makes Martha feel death. She's
1: so desperate. Verse 21 Jesus, if you had been here, I know what you could have done. My brother would not be dead right now. I love my brother. You love my brother. If you were here, he would not have died. And Jesus says to her in verse 23, your brother is going to rise again. Martha says, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. I'm feeling the, the loss of him right now. In verse 25, Jesus says to her, this is the impact. This is This is what we learn from the death of Lazarus. Jesus says, by what I'm about to do in the next passage, I am the resurrection and the life. You believe that. And whoever believes in me, whoever believes that about me, Though you die, yet shall you live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Now we know what he means when he said in verse 4, this is not an illness that leads to death. Here in verse 26, he says, Verse 25, he says, if you believe in me, even though you actually do die, you're, you're gonna live after and, and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die a different kind of spiritual and eternal death. This, this kind of illness doesn't lead to that kind of death, even though it led to the first kind of physical death. Verse 25 is one of John's great I am sayings. Jesus is declaring here, I am the resurrection and the life. I am is Jesus' declaration that He is the eternally existing I am kind of God who had appeared to Israel in the Old Testament, specifically to Moses at the burning bush. You remember this account in Exodus chapter 3 when Moses is walking by as a shepherd of the desert, He may not be unfamiliar with seeing the heat of the desert, the dryness of the desert burn up a bush. But what he saw that day was a bush that was burning, but the bush didn't burn. And Moses says, I'm looking at something I've never seen in this world. I'm looking at something that doesn't belong to this world a fire that doesn't feed it doesn't get its life from the wood or the leaves it doesn't live off the death of others that is the picture of god he doesn't get his life off of our death and so he says what is my name it is i am i don't take i don't need anything to live because i always am i have always been will always be present tense, as John says at the beginning of this Gospel, about Jesus, that He is life. How does Lazarus' illness glorify Jesus? How does Him awakening Lazarus, as He will in the next passage, just by calling out Lazarus, dead Lazarus, come out, how does that lead to belief about
0: Jesus when Lazarus gets up? How? Well, the Jews kill Jesus. He dies on a cross as a lamb for sinners.
1: As a lamb. His blood is in the place of the blood that we owe to God for our sins against God. But when they kill Him, they are killing I Am They are killing the one who always lives. And if you kill the one who always lives, even though he really dies, it's death that has to die. Jesus experiences what he predicts here when he declares himself, I am the resurrection. He he experiences resurrection from the dead because he is life. So when he died for sin because he has no sin to keep him dead, he is raised. I am the life. We are powerless to stop ourselves from dying. Whether it's now or in decades, how can we, who are powerless, over death, get life? Life, which John, which Jesus says in John, is is knowing God. How can we get that Jesus is saying, I am the life. Only I can bring you back to God and know God. I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus is promising Martha and everyone who believes this about Jesus. This, that what he's about to do with Lazarus and bringing him out of the tomb, that he's going to do in a greater way for us who believe. Physical death is going to be followed by physical resurrection. When we're united to the resurrection and life,
0: we will live. We will die and never die eternally. There may be some who are listening who do not believe. Jesus looks straight to Martha. In verse 26, do you believe? Some of you don't. Just understand, as terrible as life is now, if you remain in unbelief, when you die, it will be worse. So hear this. I am, dies, and by his death you can live. Believe in him. Follow him. This week, we celebrated my son Silas' birthday,
1: and it was really strange. We had these plans of what we were going to do. We we're going to go to a, a restaurant that he likes. We were going to do an activity that he likes. that's not in our town. And we're celebrating in quarantine. It was a strange birthday. But really, all, all of my kids' birthdays are always strange. I, I would say they're bittersweet to me. I'm just confessing here. Um, <clears throat> the part of, I love them. But I have a little bit of bitterness in the midst of celebrating other people's birthdays because all of those gifts are not mine. I'm excited that they're excited, but I love when my birthday rolls around. Uh, And I hate when it passes. Worst day is January 14th because I have to wait so very long to get more presents. There are lessons about life that only death will teach us. These extraordinary events have really just reminded us of reality. You're going to die. I am going to die. And we have no power to stop it.
0: Vaccine.
1: No social distancing. We're going to die. The tornado didn't get us. Something is going to get us.
0: I want to encourage you this morning, in this moment,
1: when you are tempted to panic, when you are tempted to fear, when you are told by others how dangerous COVID-19 coronavirus is for you, if you are a Christian, I want you to then, in that moment, go to John 11, verse 11. Because John 11, verse 11, is the verse that we should hold up in our hearts to see the extent of the danger of coronavirus for Christians. Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep,
0: but I go to awaken him. I hope for my heart that
1: whether it's coronavirus or any cancer, anything, a speeding car
0: to recognize how dangerous death really is. 11.11 says that death is no more harm to a Christian than a nap is. John 11, verse 11, teaches us that
1: once we're dead, fixing our corpse will be no more hard for Jesus than waking
0: us from it. When COVID-19 kills a Christian,
1: it is going to be the blessed door opening
0: the one we've longed to open, opening. And we will walk into a room where all the gifts we've been waiting to unwrap will be unwrapped. We will leave behind death, sickness,
1: sorrow, and the sin to blame for all of that. Death is going to be the door that leads us into a room that is filled with love.
0: Facing death is the only way to get experiencing death. is the only way to get that life that only Jesus gives and that He always gives to all His disciples. So, I leave you with the question. Do you believe? Do you believe that what Jesus offers is life
1: out of death? The role that death plays
0: in receiving the life He actually offers. Life with God. The God who loved us longer than a lifetime. The God
1: who loved us by saving us from a a worse death than physical
0: death. The God who did that by taking that for us. And who was raised for us. And who unites us to Him. To have life forever. Father in heaven, we pray that you would cause us to believe. Cause us to believe that there is something worse than death. And there is something better than long life.
1: There is something better than health. We want to experience, we long to experience the usefulness of Jesus. Whose full usefulness will not be experienced until after the
0: world has done its work. Thank you, Jesus, our resurrection, our life. We pray in your name. Amen.